Hey friends, Daniel Schreiner here with the Disciple Henson Podcast. Today, we finally got Todd Miles back on the show to talk about Christmas. It is December after all. So listen to this fun podcast where you will hear Todd's thoughts on how theophany is different than incarnation. You know, that subject that you, you always find yourself talking about with extended family around the Christmas dinner table. You'll hear Todd's family Christmas traditions and his unfiltered thoughts on Santa Claus. Parents, if you're listening with your kids, there's a spoiler at the end. So be aware, but listen, learn, and enjoy. Todd Miles, welcome to the Disciple Henson Podcast. It's good to be here with you. Yes, you've you've been on many time this podcast many times. You were probably the most frequent guest early, for early sure. on, and then Jeff left, and you probably wondered, would you ever be back on the show again? I was lying awake at night, concerned, yes, hoping, hoping I, one day. I wanted to kind of give you that that kind of anticipation for this moment. It worked. You're welcome. Super excited. Super excited. So it's December. And um, when do you think it's fair to start saying Merry Christmas? Uh, in our house? Well, actually, this year, because last, last year with Camille was such a bummer. Right. So <laughs> right. you like weren't allowed to say it. Yeah, I, it, it, was, it was hard. Uh, Camille started with the Christmas music before Thanksgiving. This year? Yes, she did. We had our tree up before Thanksgiving. Wow, this you're, year. you're ready to go. She is excited. She's making up for a lost year, for sure. As she should. Yeah. Good. Any Christmas traditions for your family? Uh, you know, uh, well, one of them actually comes at Thanksgiving. Camille always gives everybody who comes to our house for Thanksgiving an ornament um, that symbolizes something from the previous year. And so our tree is covered with ornaments that are, uh, it's like memorabilia from the previous, uh, from the previous years. Yeah. Wow. So, so that's kind of a fun one. So what did you get this year? I got a marijuana leaf. <laughs> yes, I did. Because I've, I've been writing a book. I've been, I, I've, I've finished my my cannabis and the Christian manuscript. Sent it off to Broadman and Holman on Halloween and got comments back already and sent them off. And is so, that yeah. the title? The, is that the title you went with, cannabis and the Christian? Uh, well, it's the it's the title they went with. Um, you're uh, not talking to John Piper here or <laughs> or Tom Schreiner for that matter. You're talking to Todd Miles. Well, I, I'm excited about this book. I, I don't get to pick the title. No, yeah. it's, uh, so I think the title is Cannabis and the Christian: All That the Bible Has to Say About Marijuana. Wow. So you open it up and there's like nothing in there. It's like those gag books, <laughs> yeah, right? It's, it's, it's like those gag books. Everything men know about women. You open it up, a bunch of big yeah, blank pages. Yeah. That's the way this one is. No, no there's, there's sure. quite a bit of stuff in there. But. And is there a green leaf on the cover? There it is. Okay. There is. And is it going to be out in time for Christmas? It will not. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no chance. Because nothing says Merry Christmas like Camille knew. Uh, marijuana like leaf. Like a marijuana yeah, leaf. Yeah, she, it's, it's made of wood. It's not an actual marijuana leaf, but yeah. Okay. Okay. That's very creative. I'm not yep. surprised, but I mean, man. Yeah, I, I can never do anything like that. Well, uh, I have some other quick Christmas questions yeah, for you. Favorite Christmas movie? I do like Christmas Story. It's probably my favorite Christmas Christmas movie. Oh, it's classic. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have like favorite Christmas um, songs? Do you like you like Christmas music? I mean, it's been I do. playing since yeah. before Happy Thanksgiving. And, yeah. Um, yes. Uh, favorite favorite Christmas song? Probably Oh Holy Night. Because uh, mm -hmm. it takes a big voice to sing that. Oh yeah. Uh, so so I don't sing it walking around the house, but I like listening to people who can sing. Yes. Sing yes. Yeah. 
well, we hope we will sing that song on maybe not Christmas Eve, but I think the Christmas before Sunday we have it planned if Good. it's not next. So you can All look right. forward to that. Um, we want to talk about Christmas. We want to talk about the incarnation, mm-hmm. uh, what Christmas is all about. And I was thinking that it would be good to talk to you about this, um, not just because you love Christmas, but because you wrote a book. I'm like that one guy you managed to find. Who likes Christmas. <laughs> who likes Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of other Christmas jokes, and I'm blanking right now yeah. as I thought about you and Christmas. Um, but maybe you'll get that maybe later on here. But um, you, wrote, you wrote a book about uh, Jesus heresies. Superheroes yes. can't save you. Yes. And um, so I think that's appropriate to kind of lead into this conversation about the importance of the incarnation or why the incarnation matters. Because uh, I was reminded in your introduction, you were you were saying something that really resonates with me and just my background is that um, as evangelicals and not as a political bloc, but mm-hmm. just like as Christians yeah. here in the United States, we're very adamant about affirming the deity of Jesus that sometimes we forget that he was human. Yes. Is human. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yes, double uh, yes on yeah, that one. Yeah. Still is, very important, the ongoing incarnation. That's right. Do you think this is, is this a weakness that you have encountered in teaching on in evangelicalism that we don't talk about the humanity of Jesus enough? I think that is the case. Okay. And and I think it's just part of our DNA as as evangelicals in America in particular. Yeah. Because uh, we, we fought, not we personally, but but our forebears, if you will, fought the battles with the liberals. Uh, I don't use that term pejoratively. That's their own self-designation, the, the liberal Christians, yep. over the deity of Christ. And so we are really good at affirming the deity of Christ. Mm-hmm. We're really good at arguing for it, mm-hmm. and we can explain why it's so important. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that I think at times we're uncomfortable talking about the humanity of Christ. In, in much the same way that because of that, that same history with the liberals, sometimes missionaries are uncomfortable talking about the kind of social justice stuff that they do on the field, mm-hmm. because it might paint them as a liberal. Oh, um, sure. That's a good comparison. E- even though they do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, we, we don't really know what to make of the humanity of Christ, but the biblical authors did, for sure. Yeah. It was a really, really important uh, aspect of, of Christology. So was there significance to when you you came to your book on these heresies about Jesus, you started with the Superman mm-hmm. heresy? Yes. So you went with that one first because one, super Superman's like the quintessential like superhero. Yes, um, it, but, but because I wanted it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh, the, I, you're right. Um, not, not just because you have to start with Superman because he is like Superman, yeah. right? Uh, but because it's really important, I think, it just how I wanted to organize the book to get people thinking about, um, I can easily lapse into this. Uh, most evangelicals don't lapse into what I call the Batman heresy. So, right, the, the, the Batman heresy, Batman, no superpowers, incredible human. Um, that would be like liberal Christianity, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, evangelicals don't really struggle with that. Right. I, I, I don't like kind of lapse into liberal Christianity, thinking that Jesus isn't actually divine. Right. Um, so I did the Superman heresy, because the Superman heresy, of course, is that there was no human named Clark Kent. Yes, yes. He was just, he was Superman in disguise. Right. He, he was an, he, he's an alien from another planet. He's, there is no human being there. Um, and, and a lot of people in church history have thought the same way about 
about Jesus, that he's not really human, he's just God in disguise. Yeah. So that you think that's a, I mean, you wrote the book, that's mm-hmm. that's something that we can slip into even kind of functionally a- absolutely. as yeah. evangelicals. Yeah. Uh, of course, as evangelicals and ho- as members of Hinson Church, yep. we would never deny Certainly. the humanity of Jesus. Right. But functionally, do, do we know what to make of his humanity? Do we know what it means when when it when the scriptures teach that he was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin? I think we know that verse, mm-hmm. but do we know what it actually means? I think oftentimes we think, uh, yeah, okay, so Jesus was tempted. I'm supposed to draw inspiration from that, but he was God, mm-hmm. right? How, mm-hmm. how can that be an encouragement to me? So yeah, this temptation I'm facing, of course Jesus wouldn't have succumbed to this temptation because he was God. Mm-hmm. And and yet the biblical authors never attribute the sinlessness of Jesus to his deity. They, they always attribute his sinlessness to he fought temptation, and he fought it, and he fought it, and he fought it, and he fought it as a human. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In the power of the Spirit, relying mm-hmm. on the Father. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. got a lot at his disposal, yep. but they're all very human things, because yes. we can rely on the Spirit. We can depend upon the Father, too. Amen. Uh, th- there were no shortcuts in Jesus's earthly ministry. He, you, you don't find him you know, pulling out that God card to, to get through a tough, tough time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's deep stuff. Um, let, can, can I back up a little bit? Mm-hmm in terms of thinking about this, because I do, I want to take the next uh, 20 minutes or so, 15, sure. 20 minutes to think about this uh, because we don't think of it as we ought and okay. as often as we should. So does God have a body? Uh, Jesus does. Okay. Because um, I think about the doctrine that we often affirm that as humans were made in the image of God, uh, Genesis 3, I think it is, mm-hmm. talks about God uh, walking in the garden yeah. in the cool of the day, mm-hmm. as, it's, as it seems like was his practice with our first parents. Yes. And um, it's hard to, like, what did that look like? What did that mean? Um, any yeah. thoughts on that? Three most important words in theology. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I, I can hazard a guess, though. Okay. I'm, I'm guessing... Uh, one of two things. One, that's just a literary device to speak of the presence, like the felt, real presence of God who is spirit. Mm. I think it could be that. Mm-hmm. It could also be that there's a theophany at work here, where, okay. where God takes a form okay. for the purpose of interacting with humanity, Okay, um, which would be you know, maybe Moses at the burning bush yes. or angel of the Lord type stuff. Sure. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up theophany because that that'll help me uh, remember not to forget because I want to distinguish how is incarnation different from theophany yeah. a bit um, in a minute. But I want to stay in Genesis one through three. Mm-hmm. So um, when God made us with as in, in bodies, mm-hmm. yeah, very uh, important to Christian theology. Yes, yeah. <laughs> was that like a new thing for God? Because I we we know that we're created in the image of God, mm-hmm. but then it's a little wait. But then God doesn't got a spirit. So what does it yeah. mean to be made in the image of God if God himself and, and be embodied creatures? Yeah. So I think that the image of God is not 
easily defined. Mm-hmm. I, I think we have to almost do a biblical theology of it because it Good. builds throughout the scriptures. Yes. Uh, one aspect, uh, so, so like I would say, there's a relational aspect to being Imago Dei. Mm-hmm. There's a functional aspect. We, we exercise dominion. There's a representational aspect. We represent God. Like, like mm-hmm. little, so that the, is it okay to use Hebrew here on the Hint, Disciple Henson podcast? I think, okay. yes. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Hebrew word for image is tselem. We would spell it T-S-E-L-E-M, tselem. Huh. And that word is used oftentimes in the scriptures to refer to like a statue. Yes. A, a statue that would represent the authority of a being that was worthy having a statue made, like a king, mm-hmm. for example. Mm-hmm. And so um, a, a, a king would put a statue up throughout his land to represent him, basically to say, I might not be here physically present, but my arm extends even to here, right? Yeah. And, and so I think that's a big part of what image of God is. We are God's, it, it, it's not just that we're made in the image of God, we are images of God, yes. right? We represent him. Um, and then I think there's also a, a teleological aspect to, uh, to image, that, that we're, we're being transformed into the image of Christ. So we are image now, we will yet be even more image day by day through sanctification and, and then ultimately glorification. Now, if representation is part of what it is to be image, even though God doesn't have a body, in order that we might accurately represent him and do the stuff he wanted to do as his representatives, he gave us a body. So body is very important to imago Dei, even though God doesn't himself doesn't actually have a body, but we need one to represent him in this material world. Yeah, that that's good. In. That's good. I, I like that you're bringing in sound effects too yeah, onto the like podcast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We need more of that. Okay. Um, I, I talk about sound effects every podcast, so it's kind of an, a reoccurring <laughs> motif. Um, so let me ask you this. Do you think when when God created us um, with bodies, mm-hmm. was, he, was he thinking about the incarnation to come? I think yes. So uh, I think that the reason we're made in the image of God, there's some gospel pre-planning going into that. Mm-hmm. There's gospel pre-planning going into that. And so, you know, we often say the proto-euangelion is Genesis 3.15, mm-hmm. first gospel. Mm-hmm. Then Paul seems to think that the reason that God institutes marriage is to give people a picture of the gospel. Right? Yes. In, in Ephesians 5, he takes us back to Genesis 1, 26 and 27. But that even comes after let us make man in our image. And I, so the incarnation is only possible because of what took place in Genesis 1. I, I don't think if God doesn't make man, humans, in his image, that then we can have an incarnation. It might at that point just be a theophany where God appears as a human. Um, and, and, and then if, if, if we don't have a real incarnation, then I'm not sure we can have a real redemption. At, at least from the biblical logic, we can't. Yeah. We can't. Well, since you brought it up again, let me ask you just now, what, what is the difference then between theophany and incarnation? Yeah. Because we, you know, we, we have these questions, we assume, you know, later in Genesis, uh, Jacob, soon mm-hmm. to be, you know, wrestling with the angel of the yep. Lord, that that's a theophany. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the burning bush. Yeah. Maybe the, you know, the son of... Is it Son of Man and uh, Daniel? Daniel, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. in the in the furnace. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what's going on there? Like, um, it's it's not. Is it is it Jesus? 
So, yeah, so again, those three words, I, I don't know. But, so, but, but, but we do know that it's God. It's, we do know mm-hmm. that it's God. Mm-hmm. I suspect anytime God takes a form and interacts with us, that, that seems like a son of God sort of thing to do. So I'm totally fine calling Theophanies Christophanies. Just can't argue that. Just seems to make sense to me. Sure. Um, a, a, a theophany is more like ad hoc, like God needs to do something and he just takes the form of something for the purpose of doing it. You know, Wonder Twins, activate, right? Form of a whatever. And, <laughs> yeah. and, off it, I, and, and of course, it's God doing it, so that I hope that wasn't like blasphemous. But, uh, but, but then he comes back because he's not actually a burning bush. He's not actually whatever the form that he took in that moment was. Yes. When, when God takes on a human nature, though, in the incarnation, when the son does yes. in the incarnation, he is, he's adding something essential to him without, without depleting himself of any divinity, without perverting his divinity at all. So it doesn't alter his like divine DNA, if you want to use that language. Right. But he adds to himself a human form. And it's that way, I take it, for all of eternity now. And so, so this is more than just an ad hoc sort of thing. Um, the Son of God will forever be the Davidic heir and sit on that eternal throne promised to David as a true son of David. So I don't think like at the ascension, when Jesus goes up to the Father, he mm-hmm. kind of sloughs off humanity like, like a bad Left Behind movie where we lose <laughs> our clothes, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, no, he, 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 he ascends to the Father as the God-man and currently sits at the right hand of the Father as the God-man and will return as the God-man and will forever and ever and ever and ever and ever be the God-man. Wow. I mean, that's deep stuff. It's fun. Yeah, it's it is great. Good. It's great stuff. And, and uh, so it puts, when you think of it in those terms, it puts whole new meaning to like, you know, Matthew 1, uh, Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, that language, that kind of language of God is not used for theophany in quite the same no. way. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah, because he's, he's, I, I, he's a burning bush really with us. Right. I mean, maybe right. prepositionally, sure, but uh-huh. that's not what the scriptures are pointing to yeah. with God with us. Yeah. So uh, getting a little, so th- those are the, the deeps of the depths of theology. Um, let's bring it back to the kitchen table just for a short bit. Mm-hmm. Um, does the fact that God became a man, this is kind of getting back to Imago Dei, yeah. um, and even a child change how we should treat and view children, humans? Um, how should that change how we see one another? Yeah. Uh, well, it should. First mm-hmm. off, just basic Imago Dei. There's right. an inherent dignity to being human. Right. Uh, David, I believe in, what is it, Psalm 8, just mm-hmm. reflects mm-hmm. on... I, I, basically, I, I think David's like doing his quiet time out of Genesis 1. I think so. And it's just, it's like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> this is stunning. Right. The glory, the glory associated with being human because we're made in the image of God. Yeah. Right? Um, but then, then we see, uh, it's probably more than an implication, but what God does with Imago Dei, that he himself becomes human, uh, there is an amazing dignity that should be accorded mm-hmm. to humans because of that. I mean, it, uh, again, this is not something that God has sloughed off. Mm-hmm. This is something 
that God is now forever, has become, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, at least the second person of the Trinity. Yeah. Uh, humanity has entered the Trinity. That's just, yeah. it, it's incredible to right. think about. Right. Um, so we should be very careful about what we do with the dignity of humans mm-hmm. because this is deeply personal to God mm-hmm. now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I think we could, we could extend that to, to children as well. Um, uh, the, the childhood of Jesus was not just a necessary precursor to him, you know, getting to where he really needed to be. And it just, it just took a while to get there. And, you know, you know, it's, it, I mean, it's not like the son's like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> no, it's, uh, we're told that, that Jesus was made perfect through his obedience. Yeah. Right. Which I take it is his entire childhood. That, that the Son of God himself, in order to be made perfect, not, not in a, a, I'm almost to deity standpoint, but, but fit for the task, fit for the task, if you will. I think that's probably what it's getting at. Um, so not disobeying his parents and being disciplined and to learn obedience that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I, th- I think that's it. I, I think um, that, that this makes Jesus... Uh, a suitable representation, mm-hmm. an able represent, uh, uh, not representation, representative. Sorry, an able representative for us, so he can actually atone for the sins of humanity. But I think there's more to it even than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't think that the that the crucifixion and the resurrection are all about us, um, right? It's it, Jesus, this Jesus, born as a baby, raised, grew up, lived decades learning everything it is to be human is now seated at the right hand of God as the Davidic king, king of kings and lord of lords. It's that Jesus. And and I don't think that those previous 30 years including, you know, his adolescent years, his awkward teenage years, his, I I I don't think those were just a uh, only necessary because we had to get to that place in time, and it just wouldn't do for God to like tesseract forward in time, or you know. Uh, nice superhero verb there. W- well, I, I don't know. That was like that was Madeline Langle, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? that's with, right. With, with, I forgot about that. Right, you, you know, like to fast forward in time. Uh huh. Um, that there's something necessary about that childhood for Jesus. Yeah. I, I, an, an interesting thought experiment. Could Jesus have atoned for the world? Could Jesus be King of Kings and Lord of Lords? If Herod would have succeeded in killing him in Bethlehem, and yeah. and I think our impulse is to say no, and I think that impulse is right. right. No, I don't think he could have. But yeah. why? Why? And I think we have to go back to this. He was made perfect through his suffering, made perfect through obedience, through all of this process. If 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 that's what's necessary for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, then I think that a that ought to grant a significant dignity and gravitas to the experiences our children are going through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, I, w- I wish we, as believers, we should have conversations more like this about what does the incarnation mean around Christmas. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, as is often said, we uh, we get more distracted by everything going on around this time of year. I mean, there is great food. There's there's good music, um, fun time with family, gift giving. How do you? You have six kids. Yes. 
<laughs> and any any just uh, thoughts on how with your kids you talk about the wonder, the mystery of the incarnation. I'm not looking for the silver bullet, this thing that has just opened your children's eyes and they just can't stop talking about the incarnation and Jesus and they don't even care about the gifts anymore. Just just yeah. ordinary means of grace. Is there anything you do with the kiddos or something that you've done over the years that you would, would might be helpful for folks? I, I can tell you what Camille and I are doing this year. Okay. Um, you know, That'd be great. At, at, well, we sit down every night and we read a chapter out of Superheroes Can't Save You, and we've just seen drum- No, we, we don't do that. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. Do that. We, um, <laughs> we, we do a... Um, we're using Piper's Advent series this year. Uh-huh. Did first, What's it? first one last night? I don't know. I think it's called Advent. If you go on Desiring God, okay. it's there. There's 25 readings. Um, I don't know. First one was 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 okay. It felt a little introductory. Uh-huh. Like, like it was like talking more to Camille and I about what to do with our kids, even sure. though I'm reading it to them. Okay. Um, but but Piper writes them. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're okay. written by Piper. They're uh-huh. Desiring God. So and he's he's pretty solid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, as it turns out, um, we're 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 singing a a Christmas song, a Christmas hymn uh, every night, and I can't remember what the name of the one that we sang last night was. But um, so you're trying so to do that, that after meals with your kids? We do that right before bedtime. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I I usually read something out loud. We usually have some kids book going. We're reading Summer of the Monkeys right now. Oh, good them, one by Wilson Rawls. Yep. Yeah, I love that book. It so. is a good one. Um, do you, did you teach your kids when they were younger that Santa was real? Oh, uh, okay. are there kids listening to this? <laughs> I, I think we, <laughs> or, or does it matter at this point? I don't know. Uh, spoiler. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not asking not. if he is. I'm just asking yeah, can, if you. That's right. <laughs> you taught your kids that. Well, we did not. Can I, can I tell you a story about why? I would love that. Okay, so so I was a fervent Santa Claus believer for way too long as right. a kid, right um, into your teenage years. Well, yeah, I, you know, it was that first Christmas with Camille when Santa didn't come, and I'm yeah. like bummed. It's like, Jesus, uh-huh. Camille, what's what's going on? She right. didn't tell me at that point. No, <laughs> um, no, it, it was it was older than I should have been. It, but but so so here's the thing. Here's the thing. When my mom finally tells me that there's no Santa Claus because I had been you know, some, some kid told me that there was no Santa Claus. You, you know what the first question, so I said, mom, uh, so-and-so, my neighbor told me there's no Santa Claus. Is that true? And she, she looked very sad, you know, because she mm. knew it was disappointing. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, and she said, yeah, that, that's correct. Mm-hmm. That there is no Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. You know what my next question was? Is there Jesus then? Is that right? That was my next question out of my mouth. Yeah. So, so, so is there Jesus? And I mean, I wow. felt totally betrayed. I, yeah. I, I was old enough to where I felt betrayed. I was also old enough to be like, man, you guys have been, you guys have done a great job pulling this hoax off and the whole world's involved in this hoax on me. And how is church any different at all? Huh. And, you know, we, we ask our kids to believe a lot when it comes to things of the faith. Because it, yeah. it, it's a faith, right? Sure, sure. It's, it's faith. Um, and I, I want them to be able to, I, I wanted my kids to be able to trust me in things unseen. Sure. That are true. Sure. Um, even though they don't see them. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, a, that's, that's a helpful perspective. That, true and story. story. No, no exaggeration at all. That was the first question out of my mouth. And, and I, I half expected her to say, um, well, no, there's not. For Jesus. Yeah, for Jesus. Yeah. It was funny because I wasn't, I couldn't remember if I'd heard the story from you before, but I think it's my dad's story. My dad has a very similar story. Really? He believed in Santa pretty, pretty late. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, going into the elementary school uh, mm-hmm. years. And he, his, he was number six of eight. So by the time he's asking his mom, is Santa really real? She's, uh, she's, she's a little more dismissive and maybe a little <laughs> yes. less compassionate yeah. than you're like, yep, he's, he's fake. Yeah. And my, but my dad's next question is, so I suppose the, the tooth fairy and the Easter bunny are out too. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. didn't, he didn't go to Jesus. Yeah, I, I did. That was my first question. Yeah. When did you, so when do you think you came to faith? I was a, uh, well, that's a good question. I, I don't know precisely. Uh-huh. I, I do know when I went forward to be baptized and started talking about getting baptized. And it, my rationale was, I'm a Christian, why am I not baptized? So, sure. so my, the, the church teaching had kind of worked its way into my head at that point. Okay, I, but, but it was after the Santa conversation? Oh, that one was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one was, yeah. Um, let's see here, we, we just have a couple more minutes. Uh, well, let's summarize by going back to the just kind of the subject of this, this podcast, the incarnation. Um, how any any thoughts for us on how we can restore the wonder of the incarnation? Um, because sometimes it's just something that we bah humbug or meh. You know, it's something if you've grown up in the church like you and I have, yeah. something we've heard our whole lives. Um, so any thoughts on just recovering the joy of the real meaning of Christmas for us this year? Oh, I, I, I wish I had some silver bullet uh, thing. I, I mean, for, for us in our family now, mm. because of, of last year was just so much of a bummer, um, it's, I, I think both Camille and I learned a lot last year. We learned a lot about mortality. Mm-hmm. We learned about the brevity of life. Mm-hmm. We learned a lot about where to put your hope and what was important. And, 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 and our hope... Our, our hope has has always been in God, um, and not necessarily in what God might do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and so uh, w- we would have confessed through tears um, that God is good, even if things had not turned out the way it looks like they're going to turn out. Which super grateful for, yep. super grateful. Yeah. But uh, but this year Camille's out of the chemo fog. And we're just determined to be as intentional as we possibly can, and 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 not not in a kind of bummer way, but in a we're going to make this as joyful as we possibly can. And I I mean think so so like this I think this conversation at least for you and I and PK in the background mm-hmm. has, has been kind of fun, right? Because yeah, we've, we've been talking about weighty weighty things to to contemplate our our Creator being born. Yeah. Right. A, yeah. As a human, to to contemplate the sinlessness of Christ, um, to 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 kind of think about the Christmas songs that we sing and and wonder, um, did they get it right or did they get it wrong? Mm. You know, like the whole uh, "Away in a manger, no crying he made" sort of things. Like, well, I don't think that's actually true because yeah. he was a baby who did baby things, as mm. as you know, mm-hmm. disgusting as that might be. It's it's super important. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think for Camille uh, and I, we we are determined to. Uh, I don't know if make up for the last year's part. Uh, that's certainly part of it, but also just bring to bear some some of the shifting in our perspective that God gave that gift to us uh, through that 
through what was a really tough year for, for her and for a lesser degree to me. Well, that's a great perspective, particularly you guys had a, a really rough year last year, you know, as, as you referenced with, with um, Camille's treatments. And mm. I think maybe a lot of people listening this year, this will be the rough year. Mm. But um, putting in, you know, we're, we're able to put it in perspective in the midst of COVID restrictions, maybe not being able to gather with family in the same way as we have in years past. Um, the, the real wonder of um, what God did that first Christmas. Uh, so, Todd, you've been great. Thank you for having this conversation. We'll have to do it again sure. sometime. Excellent. Well, yeah. So, thank you. Bye.